I'm Brian Jones with Brian Jones Farms in Ed Couch, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, glad to have you along once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, many southeast Texas rice farmers may not have any water to grow a crop this coming year. This past summer, the Lower Colorado River Authority cut off rice irrigation water, and it doesn't look like they're going to allow any more for those farmers to plant a crop this spring. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Among the thousands of people attending the recent Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show was the new state executive director for the Farm Service Agency. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some thoughts from Kelly Atkins. A Texas panhandle producer reflects back on the success of a national cotton evaluation program that he has been a part of for 14 of the 15 years of the program's existence. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. U.S. officials are talking with the Mexican government regarding the issues a biotech ban would cause for both countries. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Many rice farmers in southeast Texas are dependent on getting water to flood their fields from the Colorado River. But with the severe drought this year, the Lower Colorado River Authority cut off water supplies this summer to rice farmers like Tim Gertson in Wharton County. This year, we had a good allocation of first crop water, but when July 1st rolled around, which is when LCRA makes the decision for second crop allocations, the lakes had dropped below 1.3 million acre feet and inflows were at historic lows, which according to the water management plan meant that we did not get our return crop water. The importance of that to us is that that return crop more often than not is our profit year after year. He says losing that ratoon or second crop this year took the profit out of growing rice. But he may not even get to plant much of a crop this coming spring. For me personally, I've got some fields that are on groundwater. So I'll be dropping from what was this year in 22, about 1,600 acres to about 400 acres next year. So yeah, you're looking at about a quarter of the acres for me. That's Southeast Texas rice grower Tim Gertson. I caught up with Gertson at last week's USA Rice Outlook Conference in Austin. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's Disaster Relief Fund announced donations to 37 volunteer fire departments in wildfire disaster-declared counties in Texas. 
The donations totaled $182,000 and support resources, equipment, and training for volunteer fire departments to ensure the departments can quickly and more efficiently suppress rangeland wildfires. Livestock mandatory price reporting was first passed into law by Congress in 1999 and was implemented in December of 2000. And for 20 years, most in the cattle industry saw it as a good program. But in September of 2020, it expired. However, Congress has kept it going by including it in continuing resolutions. Chelsea Good of the Livestock Marketing Association says we need to stop with these patchwork extensions and finally reauthorize it. Man, I would love that. I would love a full five-year reauthorization of livestock mandatory price reporting. That's become challenging, partly because there are so many other ideas out there in the livestock space that some people see LMR as a potential vehicle to try and tack other ideas onto. I do feel pretty confident. You know, I was in D.C. week before last. I met with the majority and minority staff, um, both House and Senate Ag. They're committed to making sure LMR stays reauthorized. I think a full reauthorization for a long period of time, though, might be a ways down the road. We're probably going to see appropriations riders on that topic, at least in the short term. Chelsea Good with the Livestock Marketing Association. The new director of the Texas Farm Service Agency has deep roots in the Texas panhandle. James Hunt caught up with him at the recent Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show. The new state executive director for USDA's Farm Service Agency is Kelly Atkins. One thing to know about Kelly Atkins is this. He's a local to those of us in the Texas High Plains. I've been here in Canyon, Randall County, ever since I got out of college, which has been now a long time, uh, about 45 years, and uh, Panhandle's home for me, definitely is. Panhandle is home for you. It's also home for your business because you're very much involved in agriculture firsthand. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, I do a small farm operation in southern Randall County. I've been doing that and running wheat pasture cattle, farming wheat, basically ever since I got out of college and enjoyed it. I grew up on a farm in Haskell County. I've always been close to ag. I enjoy it, but I always hope to make a little money too, but I enjoy farm service agency work also. Since being appointed as the state executive director back in May, Atkins has traveled the state getting to know producers. At the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, I asked Atkins how producers can help him help them. His answer, try to stay in touch with what the agency is doing. We do issue a newsletter, monthly newsletter. Each county does. And then uh, the state issues one, too. Just kind of read that. I know my dad and I, we always just put ours up on the dashboard of the pickup. You know, we never did read them that close. But there's a lot of important dates in there. And, of course, with technology nowadays, you know, we try to put it on the news. We do agritechs. We do more producer meetings, I think, now. Try to attend those and try to read as much to stay abreast of those deadlines, and it'll help down the road, I guarantee you. That's Kelly Atkins of the Farm Service Agency. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton growers play a vital role in developing new cotton varieties. Tom Nicoletti visits with a Texas grower who's involved in that process. My guest today is Bryce Williams. He is a cotton farmer from Hansford County in the town of Spearman. That's in the Texas Panhandle. He is one of many Texas farmers as part of the uh, new product evaluator program with Delta Pine. And Bryce caught up with you uh, today at the the recent summit in Tampa where they were uh, commemorating 15 years of this successful program. You've been involved with it for 14 of those 15 years. Why has this been a good program, successful program for you? This program, there had been several varieties 
that have been brought forth out of this program, several of them at the prompting of the farmers that have been very, very good, successful varieties for Delta Pine. Now, you test the varieties on your farm and then give feedback to Delta Pine, and uh, certainly that communication and rapport between the two is very advantageous. It really is. A lot of feedback going both ways. There have been a few varieties that the farmers weren't that hot on that Delta Pine brought back that they brought to production. A couple of them that the Delta Pine didn't want to bring forth that the farmers said, no, you are bringing them back. We've got to have them. And they've been very successful for them too. And certainly with the, the challenges that you and other farmers face, having access to new traits and new technology year to year through this program is certainly helpful. It certainly is. Insect resistant traits have been very helpful. They seem to be a little more drought resistant, even though cotton's kind of that way to begin with. The newer traits, even combating thrips, which is one of our biggest early season pests, is going to be very helpful. That is Texas Panhandle cotton farmer Bryce Williams. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. officials are talking with the Mexican government about Mexico's proposed ban of biotech corn. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. U.S. government leaders are negotiating with Mexico regarding an upcoming ban on biotech crops. Dave Salmonson, American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Government Affairs Director, says the issue stems from a 2020 presidential decree from Mexico. Stating their intention to phase out the use of glyphosate, biotechnology, and genetically modified corn by January of 2024. This decree was meant to cover both the use in Mexico of biotechnology and also products produced with biotechnology that are imported. Salmonson says the top concern is what the decree means for U.S. exports. Mexico is such a large market for U.S., especially corn, but all kinds of products. So that would have a severely hampering effect, of course, for our exporters, but of course, for also Mexico, people using corn. There's really not a lot of other places they could source product. And Mexico has also not approved any new biotechnology traits since 2018. He says negotiations with Mexico regarding the issue are ongoing. Secretary Vilsack met with the Mexican President Obrador. Mexican government has been signaling recently they were maybe open to some more discussion about this. Also this week, our trade representative will be meeting with the Mexican economy minister. American Farm Bureau, other ag groups have weighed in on this with letters and meetings. And of course, ultimately, necessary, a case could be brought under the dispute settlement provisions of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Parks and Wildlife is suggesting a few changes to state saltwater fishing regulations. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have an older dog or cat, they may be on arthritis medication. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have an older dog or cat, they may be on arthritis medication. Dr. Bob Judd says your vet may require blood tests for that. The most common medication used for dogs and even some cats with arthritis is a class of medication called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, or NSAIDs for short. NSAIDs reduce inflammation and pain associated with arthritis, but can have some short and long-term side effects that can be very serious. And this is the reason your veterinarian will not dispense these medications in some cases without blood work. Adverse effects of NSAIDs include decreased appetite, lethargy, vomiting, gastric ulceration, kidney disease, and liver toxicity. I know that many NSAIDs are available over-the-counter for humans and no blood work is required, but there is a difference between species. A recent study in the Journal of Small Animal Practice reviewed the medical records of 81 dogs with laboratory testing performed prior to NSAID therapy. Of these 81 dogs, 56% had at least one kidney or liver abnormality, which can indicate the presence of kidney or liver disease. At least in this study, dogs with liver abnormalities were less likely to be prescribed NSAIDs due to the concern for further liver damage. But this was not the case if only one kidney value was abnormal. The concern of your veterinarian is prescribing a medication that will be harmful to your pet and lead to liver or kidney damage. Although these drugs are not dangerously toxic, if the liver or kidney are already compromised, the use of these drugs could push them over the edge into organ failure. And the problem is that the liver and kidney can be up to 70% damaged and still have normal blood work with no clinical signs of disease. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas Parks and Wildlife is suggesting a few changes to state saltwater fishing regulations. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is proposing a few changes to the state's saltwater fishing regulations for the 2023-2024 season. Dacus Gieselin, TPWD's Deputy Director of Coastal Fisheries, explained the proposals to the Parks and Wildlife Commission at a recent meeting. These are regulation changes initiated through different processes, either congressional legislation or that come through the Gulf of Mexico Fishery Management Council, in which myself and Director Riker sit on that council. The purpose of these changes is really to reduce any confusion between anglers fishing in federal waters and then moving back into our state waters. It also eases enforcement. One proposed change to the saltwater fishing regulations would prohibit the retention of shortfin mako sharks. The proposal follows a rule enacted by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, in July, prohibiting the landing or retention of shortfin makos in any U.S. Atlantic highly migratory species fishery until further notice. We simply propose to add this species to our existing prohibited shark species. We've got 22 shark species on that prohibited list, while we do have 16 sharks that anglers may harvest within various size limits. 
If adopted by the commission, the rule change would impact both recreational and commercial fishermen. Other proposed changes would impact regulations for cobia or ling and snapper. We'll have more on those proposals in an upcoming episode. The Parks and Wildlife Commission is expected to hear more on these proposals at its meeting January 25th and 26th in Austin. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A lower close in the cattle market on Thursday, but the grain markets closed higher. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded lower on Thursday despite strength in the cash market. Both live and feeder cattle ending in the red with December live cattle down 45, 154.05. February down 85, 154.85. While April live cattle were 65 lower to close at 158.92. January feeder cattle down 55 cents, 183.05. March feeders down 77, 184.67, while April feeder cattle down 67 cents to close at 188.25. Cash fed cattle market seeing some good strength this week. Now, of course, we didn't move prices much higher, but we did manage to hold on to that 155 level. Here in the south, we sold cattle at 155. That is fully steady with the last two weeks. Also had a report of the online fed cattle exchange selling one load of Texas cattle at one fifty-five fifty. Boxed beef prices higher on Thursday choice up three oh three at two fifty-three ten. Select up ninety-five cents two twenty-seven sixty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Phil Brockenbush from Gettings Livestock is with us. Phil, here's a glass of iced tea. Tell us how the sale went Monday. Turned out good, Larry. We wound up with 1510 with 105 buyers and 231 sellers. Uh, your Packer cow and bull market steady the last week. Uh, the calf market, it's it's strong. It's it's good. We'll walk the pins with us. Steers 300 back, average 175, brought up to 242 and a half. Three to four weights, 189 to 235. Four to five weights, 182 to 222 and a half. Five to six weights, 166 to 195. Six to seven weights, 146 to 185. Seven to eight weights, 130 to 152 and a half. Your heifer mates, 300 and back. Average around 165, brought up to 215. Three to four weights, 158 to $2. Four to five weights, 152 to $2. Five to six weights, 140 to 195. Six to seven weights, 135 to 167 and a half. Seven to eight weights, 120 to 182 and a half. Your bull yearlings, seven to 850 pounds, 95 to 152 and a half. 850 to 1,000 pounds, 90 to 125. Packer bulls, 90 to 102 and a half on the high yielding bulls, 80 
60 to 89 on the medium young bulls. High yielding cows, 60 to 77 and a half. Medium yielding cows, 46 to 59. Thin cows, 15 to 45. We had that little old replacement sale or we sold some pairs they brought up to 1875 the good cattle you know they sold they sold really good they kind of sold according to to what they were bread cows the best bread cow brought 18 and a quarter was that our last one or will we have one more no sir we'll have one monday that'll be our last one till uh we come back on the ninth i think all right well tell everybody how to get a hold of you you can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274 neighbor that's our livestock auction market report for today we'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens i'm larry marble for texas ag today Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now. We're lean hogs were strongly lower in Thursday's trade. February hogs down a dollar seventy-five, eighty-one sixty-five. April hogs down a dollar fifty-five at eighty-nine seventeen. Class three milk closed higher. The December contract up three cents, twenty fifty-six a hundred weight. While January milk was up fourteen, nineteen sixty-six a hundred. The cotton market closed mixed. The nearby contracts lower. Deferreds higher. Of course, the market continues to watch the weakness in the stock market and an uptick in the U.S. dollar, so that pushed the nearby contracts lower. March cotton down 34 points, 81.03. May down 19 at 81.24, while new crop December cotton up 21 points, 79.64 cents. Corn market made some slight gains with March corn up three, 6.53 and a half. New crop September corn up two and a half at six eleven and a quarter. The wheat market continuing to watch the weather. Of course, we're getting good precipitation, snow, ice, or rain throughout much of the plains area of the country, where a lot of the hard red winter wheat crop is grown. However, concerns now creeping into the market that it's so cold that we may see some winter kill. March Kansas City wheat up ten and a quarter, eight sixty and a half. New crop July wheat up six and a half, eight forty-four and three quarters. Soft wheat market was higher. March Chicago wheat up eight, seven fifty-seven and a quarter. New crop July up six and a half at seven seventy and a half. In the energy markets, January natural gas up forty-three cents, six eighty-six. January crude oil down a dollar twenty-six, seventy-six oh two a barrel. The financial market sharply lower Thursday afternoon, the Dow dropping 703 points at 33,264. The NASDAQ down 335, 10,835. The S&P down 91 at 3,904. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.